Hi, guys. Welcome back to the Mel K Show. I have a really special show today uh, on many levels. Uh, I'm joined by an amazing uh, man, Michael Carey, whose uh, son, Jonathan, um, was uh, in a care home in New York and uh, not only was mistreated, but then died in that care home. And he's been fighting for the rights of disabled children and adults and um, people stuck in the system, especially in New York. He uh, also has been battling uh, Albany and Governor Cuomo for uh, many years, and he's not giving up the fight. And I think today is a great day to bring him on and let him tell you what uh, he's been doing and how you can help the cause and um, what we need to know to fight back and to get some laws changed finally to uh, protect the people that need it the most. So thank you for joining me, Michael, especially on today when you know we're seeing a little bit of exposure that might lead to some uh, some actual uh justice going on in albany so uh why don't you tell my audience who you are and uh the unfortunate circumstances that brought you to this place but also what uh god has led you to do with that circumstance and we'll go from there all right great thank you so much for having me on mel oh it's my pleasure i saw your show with uh susan a friend of mine and i just said i gotta get that guy on he's doing the real work you know, it's one thing to talk about it and to pass bills. It's another thing to fight like you are. And I, I'm so grateful you're here. So uh, take take the floor and let's let's make some people uh, wake up and help us uh, change some uh, some laws. All right. That's what it's all about. We want to bring major reforms. And and, you know, uh, God says he works all things together for the good for those that love him and are called according to his purposes. So, you know, a lot of bad things can happen in our lives. But if we're, you know, we love God, we know he's called us to do things. He'll work it all out for the good. And with our case, God blessed us, my wife, Lisa, and I, with an incredible young man named Jonathan Michael Carey. Um, he's in heaven now 14 and a half years because he was killed by uh, individuals that were supposed to care for him. And it was not just the men in the van that that horrible night. It was the system. And and. I've, I have this knowledge now, and I have a responsibility, I believe with all my heart, a calling to make a difference and to bring about changes in New York State, in the mental health care system. And I made a vow and commitment, not only to the Lord, but to my son, Jonathan, who's alive and well in heaven, that I would not uh, forget his friends. And I'm not going to forget his friends. People with developmental disabilities, autism, you know, uh, you know, all different types, you know, right? cerebral palsy, muscular dystrophy. There's all different reasons why people are in group homes or mental health facilities. People right. struggling with mental health problems. They had a horrible trauma in their life. You know, and also now they're in a, in a mental health facility and they're supposed to be provided safe care that's free from abuse and neglect per federal law and regulation. And these are Medicaid uh, funded facilities. Right. And when you basically take that money and use it for other purposes to enrich your politically connected friends, which this is what Governor Andrew Cuomo and other past governors right. Uh, right. have done. And it is a multi-billion dollar New York State's mental health care system made up of six different agencies. It's a multi, multi, multi-billion dollar corrupt industry. Right. They are not providing safe care and services. Almost all the basic safety and abuse prevention measures that anyone would think would be in place 
are not in place. And I, I'm gonna, I'll, I'll really let let the listeners know about this uh, in a in a broader way. But I want to get back to Jonathan for a minute. Yeah. So, or a few minutes. Jonathan was 19 months old when he was diagnosed mental retardation. At the time, that's the term. Then they changed the diagnosis to you know developmentally disabled. Six years old, he was diagnosed with autism. Right. Um, my wife and I did everything we could. We we absolutely loved Jonathan uh, beyond. And the only reason we put him in a private facility that was supposed to specialize in helping children with autism was to help him learn to toilet train and to dress himself, the basic skills. And then he was coming home. Right. That was our plan. Well, this was a place called the Anderson School in Stottsburg, New York. It's the first facility Jonathan was not only abused, he was tortured at. Right. Tell, tell what were, happened to him, because I have a lot of friends that have children with autism and, and that, and it's very scary because a lot of them have to do that. It's for the best for the child, and, and you don't know what's going on there. So if you could tell my audience what, what happened to him at that facility. They had a staff member that was we believe was from out of the country that might not have been able to read that well. And Jonathan went in on a uh, very strict diet. It was called a casein-free diet. It's a part of milk that Jonathan could, his system could not break down. So it was a medical known intolerance. The school knew it. It was part of his plan and everything. But somebody basically didn't get it and was giving him the regular milk products on a regular basis. Now, we didn't know this. We're, you know, we're home, right? And all of a sudden, Jonathan started to compulsively take off his T-shirt. And so the facility started to withhold food and meals from him um, for behavior modification is what they called it. Oh, my God. Uh, That's common with autism is the taking off the clothes. I, I have a friend whose son has it. He can't have he's, it's, he doesn't like it on his skin. And that's you know, you have to work with that. And they just were torturing him. Well, John, Jonathan didn't have a problem at all of a sudden it surfaced. They didn't even look into what possibly was the cause of the new pro issue. Right. They went right into directing staff to withhold food and meals from him when he didn't have his T-shirt on. Oh, my God. Now, this is the horrible, you know, just so everybody gets an understanding. Um, so this is a private facility. It looks like a campus, college campus. It's okay. smaller but beautiful, beautiful new grounds, you know, school, a home, everything, but the higher unqualified people. Right. And then when, and then they have a system in place that when there is abuse and neglect, they keep it from a local police, you know, 911, the local police, the DAs, the, the criminal justice system, and they internally cover it up. Right. Well, we, we find out later after Jonathan's withheld meals uh, for five weeks or more, I mean, we're talking, oh my God. Large, I mean, 40, 50% of his meals. <gasps> like that's, some, we, that's so crazy to me. These people are supposed to do no harm, right? There's supposed to be a doctor overseeing this. This is insanity. But I know there's hundreds of kids like him. This is horrible. And it's going on still. Uh, we don't, a lot of these facilities are doing all sorts of things against the, uh, the law, right. against the parents' knowledge. And then my son was nonverbal. He couldn't tell us what they were doing. Now, the thing is, we were very active parents. 
we saw Jonathan every weekend, except we missed a few during this window of time. And the reason being, my my wife's mother was very ill. She went to the hospital and she passed away. We had a funeral. So we missed we missed a few weeks. But Jonathan, the, the pattern for us for Jonathan being there for a year and a half was he would come home every other weekend, Friday night, and then he uh, uh, our school district would send a little bus down, pick him up about an hour and a half away, bring him home, and he'd be with us till Sunday afternoon, and then they would send the bus over and they'd bring him back down. Okay. We would we would call every night and you know talk to him and you know as best we could you know and you know he'd be giggling and you know you name it right usually right. And we just tell him, you know, we love you, John, and we can't wait to see you. You know, you know, we're going to go look at the horses and all these things, you know, all the things that he loved to do. And yeah. and then we and then we would go see him every other weekend. So we would see him every weekend, talk, talk to him every night. And these people directed the administrative people, directed staff. And later on, after, you know, a whistleblower uh, pointed that you got to take that bag, and in the bag was a communication logbook where they were communicating. Jonathan, no, no shirt. Uh, he refused to eat his lunch, refused to eat his dinner. So they were documenting all these, do- you know, these things that they were doing secretively, right? Right. And we were handed this document, and uh, thank God we were able to get Jonathan out of there. We thought there was proper, you know, investigations and there would be pro- uh, proper arrests to follow, which they, that did not happen. Um, then my wife and I had to start uh, trying to get the state police involved and the DA's office down in Dutchess County. Well, here, so this is what happened. Once the state police went into this facility, the state calls up the DA office and the DA's ought to, to tell this the, the DA to back off. And then the DA's office calls me and says, the state has assured us that they're working proper corrective actions to bring the changes at the facility. And they just want you to go civil direction. We don't want it. We, we want you to drop the criminal charges. I said, absolutely not. There's 135 ch- autistic children down there and there's, they're being abused and it has to stop. And we want the arrests. Et cetera, et cetera. Well, they they made no arrests. The the DA's office just covered, you know, and just dropped the whole thing. And now we're home. My wife and I, uh, Lisa, and and our other son Joshua are home. We're trying to care for Jonathan now. Now he's severely damaged more. Right. From the from the massive uh, of trauma of abuse, uh, a severe abuse and neglect. Right. And. It wasn't, and I'm just going to say, it wasn't just the withholding food and meals, which you think that would be enough torture as it was. They were secluding Jonathan in his bedroom, having staff hold the door closed like a prison cell to keep him in there. They were not, all the toileting, he was 50% there. Oh my God. They, they wouldn't toilet him. He lost all that. They were, he was, they, he was laying in his urine. They put up. They they put up paper on his window so he couldn't look out. Uh, nobody could see into his room. They uh, they took his uh, bedding. They took his oh my clothing. god, like he was in jail. Took, oh my yeah, god. they took they took his pictures. They took his stuffed animals. They took oh my everything. God. Oh my god! 
So he must have had like PTSD and, and like abuse. You know, he was he didn't have abuse before he went in there. Now he's coming out, probably scared to death of, uh, you know, everything at this point. Exactly. He was later diagnosed PTSD, but sure. we were home trying to we're home trying to care for him. And he's he's at the meal time, and, you know, he's eat, he's always ate a lot. And he'd be he'd be, you know, eating as much as he could. And then when we, we knew he was way, you know, we ate too much. And we then we said, Josh, Jonathan, that's enough, you know. And and then he would just like go ballistic. You know, it was like he was trying to hoard food. Right. Because he was starved in there. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, my so, God. So let's take I'll fast forward it. The authorities covered the, the facility. Right. Now, Jonathan's home. Then a year later, what happens with PTSD is there's triggers right. that, that set things off when you go through something horrible. And we don't know if it was the time of the year, the season, the smell, something. Right. All of a sudden, it went like off the charts. We could not care for Jonathan at home. Right. And, and our, the doctor that we finally found says, listen, you've got to start fighting for laws because there is no place right. to bring your son if he's in crisis. Right. So, um, you know, we had all we could do to care for John. And so, I, and I had no knowledge of making laws at that time. Right. So, um, and then now we're in the crisis and now there's, you know, we're trying oh, to right. get him into a right. hospital. No hospitals would take him. Right. I found that right. even in New York City at the Gracie Square here for the mentally ill. Listen, they have people come in, they send them right out. They're not, they're not even, they clearly shouldn't be on the street. They need care. They have no beds. They shut down most of the mental hospitals. And like you said, you, you would have to send them through the ER and God knows what would happen then. So there's nothing, there's no choices. That's horrible. Ugh. So, but it got to the point we, we had to bring them to the ER right? Oh. and we, and we, we had to, and so this is what they do. So this, this, this is how the system, a broken system works. Yeah. Fail, fail, fail the child, fail the child, fail the child. Fail, fail, and then all of a sudden, what's the answer? Drug them. Oh no! Yes, of course. So they, so the, uh, they call it five-two cocktail: Haldol and Thorazine. Oh. They knock, they knock Jonathan out. So he was like a zombie. Put, now. Well, temporarily, they put right. him in four-point, four-point restraints oh. in a cancer ward, uh, uh, the children's cancer ward. Right. So sick. And we're and, and so you know we're trying to you know love them every way we imaginable we can. We're begging for help, you know, to get some sort of help, right? Right. Then and then they say, well, you know, we we found somebody who can help. We're you know we, we think he's okay to release. We were like, how are we going to do this? Right. right. And it was it was only a matter of time. We're right back to the hospital. Right. And then so. Um, the state, the state could not find any place to put Jonathan anywhere. Unbelievable. And then, and then they, uh, so then they put him and uh, they made a place about 20 minutes from our house. It, uh, uh, they created a bed, bedroom for him uh, at Oswald D. Heck or O.D. Heck Developmental Center. Okay. 20 minutes from our house. Um, and, you know, we, we had, there was like no other option. Right. And I mean, so we're trying that there's no other option. It's it's completely insane that this is how they treat people. And there's it's unbelievable. I'm so sorry. And I know you're not alone, but my God. 
So let's let's so let so he's doing you know it takes him a while to regain trust and us, and we we didn't know that we weren't aware of the of the systemic problems across the board. We're thinking it was just a bunch of uh, uh, crazy uh, abusive people down at the Anderson School, which is now called the Anderson Center for Autism. Oh, you know wow. if, if anybody wants to know. You know, it, you know, they proclaim to be like the top of the, you know, the, you know, you know, notch at this. They have a history of rampant abuse and neglect down there. Right. And long before Jonathan, and they got all these people down there that are on the board that you know are run hospitals, you know, CEOs and whatnot. And then you got the media down there in Dutchess County guarding and protecting the school. Right. And so they they hide it all from the media, the police, the courts. Right. And they, they successfully cover up literally everything. Right. Um, so I started to not only after, I, you know, uh, them not doing their job down in Dutchess County, I knew we had to do something further. Um, you know, so I, we started by actually, you know, this is a supernatural encounter. My wife had a dream. And in the dream, my, she was sitting in an old fashioned library at a wooden desk. And she was flipping through these uh, laws on parchment paper, like these really old laws. And she's flipping through this in her dream. And it, it, she stops and it says Jonathan's law across the top. Wow. That's amazing. And it, and it was not signed at the bottom. And then she, she woke up. And she told me, I said, Lisa, God, God clearly gave you yeah. that job. Nice. That, that dream. And we have a job to do to, to see about getting Jonathan's law become a law so parents and legal guardians can access right. abuse investigation records and documents. All along, the state and the facilities would uh, seal these documents, hide them from the police, but also from the families. Right. So they, they guard their abuse of staff from the prosecution. Right. They protect themselves from the civil lawsuits. Uh, and be, because they, they uh, parents can't even get the information. No, no. So, so then, so now Jonathan's uh, at ODHEC. He's doing pretty good. There's a few questionable injuries. They said, oh, Jonathan must have fell off the, his chair. He must have this or that. It's always blaming the child. Right. Well, and then, then my wife and I finally get, are able to get away on a, on a, a cruise. And, and then. I'm buying T-shirts and hats with my wife at a on the island of St. Thomas, and I get this feeling. I got a call. I got a call back to my office, like now. I said, Lisa, Lisa, and she knew something was wrong. So we walked across the street and called back to uh, to my employee, uh, and he said, Mike, something really bad happened. Just be strong. And what happened is that that a moment of time, our, our friend who was an attorney. They were looking for us because we were in the Caribbean on a, cr a cruise and my son, uh, Jonathan, was killed the night before. And we got the news at the payphone that Jonathan was uh, they killed and they, they tried to revive him and they could not revive him. And my wife and I, I mean, we collapsed to the, the sidewalk and just utter devastation uh, you know, wailing literally, and oh, and thank God. thank God, some people from the boat, uh, uh, some pastors and their spouses were able to help us to get back to the boat and help us to get 
you know, a plane off the island to get home uh, right away. Um, but I can tell, you know, if, you know, how do I put this? God had a supernatural plan in the midst of it. And God knew Jonathan was going to, he was in a system where he was going to be, be abused over and over and over again. And God wanted us to shine a light on that to us. And, and then he called us to basically shut down our family business. And we live four or five miles from the Capitol and the legislative offices. And doors started opening up to get in with some of the leaders at that time, the Speaker Silver, right. you know, uh, right. Senator Bruno, the majority leader. You know, ultimately, uh, it was Governor Spitzer. We finally got in with him. Right. And, and right. things got set in motion. And we were able to get Jonathan's law, law in May of 2007. Jonathan was killed in February 15, 2007. Three months later, we were able to get the law wow. uh, in Jonathan's wow. name. And what is and, the law? Uh, what is the law state? So the state or the uh, the law says that um, all abuse investigation records and documents have to be released. <clears throat> excuse me, the parents and legal guardians within 21 days after uh, they make the written request for right. it uh, to the investigatory agencies um, after the uh, investigation is completed. Right. Um, there's the other part was the facilities are supposed to notify the families within 24 hours, give them an opportunity to be in with the supervisor within three days and within 10 days, to, you know, to, to go over what's going on, 10 days, a written corrective action right. Right. plan. So, so it, here we are, uh, you know, and I'll, I'll just, I'll tell you this. Governor Spitzer had no intention of getting Jonathan's law. Uh, he, they did everything imaginable to stop it because they, they, the key is for any cover up is to make sure the documents and evidence are, are dis disappear. They're right. either not there or they disappear. Right. So, so you have to go through that. Uh, I believe because this uh, I had a personal experience with that, with this, this program that I think you, uh, you had to deal with where, uh, you can't even go directly. You, you have to make a complaint through the New York State Complaint Board. It's not like a normal. And then once it gets in there, you don't know what's happening. And then they, they make it, they take it forever and ever. And then you call and you're, what's going on with the investigation? There's never an answer. And what happened in, in a situation I was involved in, by the time they finally, uh, you finally got somebody, they said it was it was too late. <laughs> because nobody called 911 when the person was in the hospital in a mental right hospital. it's like and I'm, and I'm sorry that that happened to you uh, i've been trying for 14 and a half years to reform the system and get the calls that are criminal in nature physical and sexual abuse right and medical emergencies and 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 where somebody's at the ultimate one where somebody's found responsive that the staff have to call 911 right. by law. And if they don't, it's a felony. And it should be because they don't. And I saw this myself. So, you know, it's it's crazy because they don't let you. And then after the fact, when you go to, say, the mayor or the governor and you file a formal complaint with the Office of Mental Health or whatever, whatever agency, the health homes, whatever they send you to, 
then they uh, then they put it into some human rights division. And then you're told like, well, you know, we looked at it and uh, there's nothing there. And you're like, yeah, how can there be nothing there? So to continue, because this is this really needs to be addressed because there's going to be a major mental health backlash after this year and a half of what they've done to this, to our communities with the lockdowns and stuff. And there's going to be nowhere to put people that are seriously mentally ill and have all these development disorders. I don't know. And then, you know, uh, also the nursing home thing, it's the same system. So all these people lost their in-laws locked down with incompetent, usually and abusive staff people don't, and they didn't see their parents for a year and a half and half of them died and nobody's doing anything. And, and that's why, you know, continue on your story because this is like really this is as important as it gets and, and in the spotlight now. Well, it, it's absolutely horrific. And I was just going to follow up a little bit on what you just said about the nursing homes. Governor Andrew Cuomo did a directive to allow sick uh, people from hospitals and outside what to go into the nursing homes. And it was purposeful to spread that virus. Um, a lot of people say, no, who in their right mind would do such a thing? Governor Andrew Cuomo is not in his right mind. He is he is involved in levels of evil and wickedness that uh, not many people know. And most of the media has guarded and shielded him and protected him for for year after year after year after year. He should have been arrested long ago. And I'll explain that. But uh, the governor, the same directive was for the group homes and the mental health facilities. I know. And people don't even know that. That's true. And I, I know. And it was also it was about money, too. Because first of all, these were donors that own these facilities or that run them. And then on top of that, they were giving more money for COVID deaths. So 20 grand more if it was a COVID death than a regular death. And you, like you said, it's in Medicaid, which is just a huge slush fund for these people. So keep going. Uh, it's horrible. <sighs> so and everybody, listen, I, I will say I won't say anything that's not true and nothing right. I can't back up. Right. So, and everybody needs to know this. The mental health care system is made up of our most vulnerable. Absolutely, a lot of the most vulnerable, uh, obviously, other than the elderly and the unborn, et cetera, right? Right. Uh, these are individuals, in most cases, they cannot care for themselves. Right. Many can't talk. Many can't, uh, they can't call 911 if they're a victim. Uh, and they rely on somebody to care for them. The families rely on, right? Right. So- I'll, I'll get into the depth of the, how the negligence of the, how, the, the meat of that. But I want to say is the governor direct, it was doing specific directives in writing and then in granting all these facilities, the nursing homes and the mental health facilities, group homes, all the state and private ones, immunity from lawsuits. So he's saying, Right. They they all knew it was it's a felony. I changed. This is the thing. It took one of the laws I changed in 2012 right. is endangering the welfare of incompetent, and physically disabled people. Right. It's anyone knowingly doing anything likely to be injurious to an incompetent or physically disabled person is guilty of a class E felony. As they should be. I fought for five years to get that to become a felony. It was always a misdemeanor. And, and I want to bring this into context because people need to know New York State's been treating uh, cats, cats, I'm sorry, pets, cats and dogs more valuable than our most vulnerable disabled people in mental health facilities 
and I believe it even in these nursing homes. Me too. And here, here's the fact that most of those people in the nursing homes are disabled as well. I know. So this law that we got changed after John was killed, five years later, fighting tooth and nail to get it to be what it is, telling everybody and their brother that cat, cats and dogs aggravated cruelty to a companion pet, right. 1999, right. Became, a Buster's Law became a felony. 13 years later, me fighting after I lose my son, five years to finally get it a felony. Oh, my God. And, and then, then for them to hide and circumvent the authorities so the DAs can't prosecute these felonies, I mean, to the tune of 8,000 calls go into that fraudulent uh, right. uh, state right. abuse hotline called right. the Justice Center for the Protection of People with Special Needs. I dealt with them, too. And I'll tell you, they give you a, they give you a, a code or like a number and they say, OK, we'll take. And then you have to call them back and then you have to call them back again. And then they never and get, get anywhere. It. And then they blame you because you didn't get in touch with the authorities when you thought that they were the authorities. It, it's it's maddening. And I've seen it. I see what they do. Uh, I told you before we got on, uh, Cuomo put $5 billion into the mental health system in New York. And uh, de Blasio, $850 million in Thrive New York City. None of that money got to the people. None. Zero. Four percent went towards helping people in any way they were supposed to, you know what that money was for, was to build group homes, to build supportive housing, to build facilities for the mentally ill. None were built, zero. And, wow. and Cuomo's still up there. Wow. And like you said about Cuomo, he knew about that Nexium cult, that, that trafficking, child trafficking cult up in uh, near Albany for 10 years while he was AG and did nothing. His crimes go so far, and and so you you've had to deal with this too now. So let's let's talk about Andrew Cuomo. So he was the Attorney General, right? I think he think it began in uh, 06 or 07. Right. Jonathan's killed in uh, February of 07. Right. I I met Governor Cuomo in District Attorney Soares's office, who's Soares is now looking into a criminal investigation of Governor Cuomo, right? <laughs> Right. Well, yeah. finally, you know. Well, yeah, but yeah, but, yeah, but <laughs> I'm going to expose Mr. Soares. Good. Uh, Albany County District Attorney David Soares is corrupt. He's been guarding and protecting Governor Cuomo and this fr uh, fraudulent system all along. And this the state abuse hotline is in Albany County. Eight thousand calls go there on average every month, and and most of its crimes, physical or sexual abuse right. or deaths, eleven to thirteen deaths on average every day. Uh, I, and I'm not exaggerating. Four between four and five thousand deaths in Cuomo's mental health care system annually before COVID. I know. I and know and I'm and I'm telling you, a very large number of them, very large percentage, are homicides. Right. Criminally negligent homicides, according to New York state law. The call goes to the, uh, now Governor Cuomo, after a New York, uh, New York Times expose, which I fought for for two and a half years, I convinced the New York Times to do an investigative reporting series. It's called Abused and Used. Oh. Please Google it. It's 30 plus pieces. It was a runner up for a Pulitzer Prize. Uh, it's exposed in the first few months of Governor Cuomo becoming governor now. Ugh. But Governor Cuomo knew all along as attorney general because I let him know. Right. I gave, God only knows how many certified letters. 
I, I talked to him personally. He promised to help us. He didn't help us. He didn't uh, make things right after Jonathan was killed. Uh, we, we Four and a half years, finally, the state settled just before court. Well, after yeah, the guy, they probably were trying where they, they were probably trying to make you give up because that's what I saw they do. Once you once you start fighting the state, especially Cuomo and the Office of Mental Health and this justice place downtown that like pretends to take the case and they it, it never goes anywhere. And, and what they're trying to do, I think, is make the victim or the victim's family give up. And they think that you won't keep fighting. And you did because you have God on your side and your son and your wife. But most people give up and that's their goal. Exactly. They uh, and a lot of people just don't, you know, a lot of families are uh, it's so difficult to have children with different disabilities to care for them. A lot of times they sacrifice one income from the two because somebody's got to be home with them and that or or one or the two uh, just can't handle it. And unfortunately, many of their marriages fall fall apart. Yeah. So 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 a lot of times it's a single parent. Now they're trying to make a decision. Do I put a, their, my child in a group, group home? You know, they're getting bigger. I can't manage things. I, you know, it's just, I, you know, I can't get the help, et cetera. Right. So, but they don't, the families don't know the dangers. They don't know the scope of abuse and neglect. They don't know that their child is going to be, a, their civil rights are going to be systematically violated. Right. They don't have equal protections of laws if they're a victim of a crime. Um and so the things that are not in place right now, they don't have cameras in these facilities. Right. I found that out here in New York City in the in the mental health facility that's connected to um, New York Presbyterian, because uh, I, I was helping and fighting for a friend. And I said, well, let's see the camera. Let's see the camera footage. They have no camera footage. I said, it's a locked mental health facility. They said, well, we're refurbishing. I said, it's been open for 17. No cameras in there on purpose, in my opinion. but. Or they have exactly. them and they're not going to turn over the footage. And, and like you said, then the whole, the whole cabal comes in and they all protect each other. And then if you have a disabled child or a child with a mental health problem or an adult child, which is a big issue too, because once they're 18, then, then the laws are terrible. But um, they will uh, blame the kid, like you said, especially if it's a mental health issue or like an autistic, they're going to blame the kid or the mental health patient anyway. So they, they, it's like, it's like, no, no, that never happened. They made that up and they all support each other. Nobody thinks like, well, she, we, maybe we should look into this. And then you find out that there's been hundreds of reports, hundreds of complaints. And, and it's just mind blowing. So keep going, because I'm telling you, this is when I saw your interview, I was like, this guy's got to get out there and tell everyone the truth, because this is oh. the this is the least of these that they are sacrificing while they line their pockets. Right. So um, you're right. So you just mentioned that there's a scripture about what, you know, what we do unto the least of these. Right. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. So here is so there's another scripture. There's a there's a uh, this is where, you know, people don't have a fear of God or consequences for their actions before God. A lot of these caregivers know they can get away with stuff because the system and everybody running the system knows how corrupt the system is. Right. They're profiteering off the, uh, you know, they're financially exploiting our loved ones. Right. Right. And, and, and again, and I'll, I'll explain, you know, it's not just the cameras. They don't have the cameras. They don't have in the vehicles. I mean, they got them in almost all the buses for the, for the kids right now. Yeah. 
but not in the, not in the, uh, the transport vehicles for our developmentally disabled. Um, they, uh, I know another guy, his, his sister was raped and got some crazy um, venereal disease from some, uh, came from the Caribbean or something somewhere, some island, it was, uh, right? This was an all woman group home with all women staff. Now, were they bringing people in? Were they prostituting the, the residents? The more we learn, sex trafficking them. Possibly, yeah. I mean, <laughs> well, and she died. She died as a result. Yeah, and and the, and the brother fought the state year after year for Paula's law. Her name's Paula to put cameras on the outside of facilities to see who's coming and going right. into the facilities. I'm fighting for the inside right. and the vehicles. Yeah. He's fighting for the outside. I was fighting with him. He supported me. All right. To this day, he's not been able to get the outside. I, uh, they've blocked my laws that I drafted for the for the cameras. Every two years, the bills would end. I'd resubmit them. I oh mean, I've been God. fighting. I mean, for year after year after year. All right, and there's no again the nine one one. I I drafted a nine one one civil rights bill. Nine one one is federal money comes in to help provide for nine one one services for everybody. Right. Not in Governor Cuomo's mental health care system. Nope. You can't even call 911 from in those facilities. You, you can't even call it. You have to call this other number that goes through that New York State Justice, whatever they are, which gets, it's called the justice, justice, justice Center. Right. For it sure. Just, it's yeah. not a justice center. It's a whitewash cover up right. entity. It's like it's like it's like the it's like the likened to the mob. Uh, they just robbed the bank, right? Right. And you know somebody's calling in, and the and and they got the person running this dispatch is a mob. Uh, somebody paid right. off by the mob. Exactly. So they just they, they just you know they don't dispatch anybody for a while, right? Or at all, so that people can get away with it. Right. So right. So how anybody can get away with a crime? You bypass nine one one, so you keep the paramedics and the police from right. being able to respond quickly. Right. The key for any crime is to get evidence quickly. You talk to the, the, the person that witnessed the crime. In this case, the disabled person, in most cases, can't say. So the person that witnessed and made the call says, listen, I saw so-and-so assault so-and-so. Right. I, I saw that person. I walked in the room, and they were raping this person. Right. And this stuff is happening all the time. I know. When you don't have the measures to deter abuse and then you have a perfect system to keep everything in-house, just like the Catholic Church, right? Right. The, the, the uh, Boston Globe uh, Spotlight Investigative Reporting Series right. brought out the fact that pedophile priests were just being uh, just like caregivers in New York State. I know. Caught, shuffled around. And, and, you know, to make it look like, you know, they're doing something and nothing's really happening. And then they go, they wind up somewhere else. They hurt other children. Right. Uh, you know, it's just one massive thing. So the spotlight investigator team exposes it. Now the, the Catholic church, there's you know some reforms. They've paid out four or 5 billion or more now to, in restitution to the victims. Right. But right now, really, they probably all want their family members and then their lives back and for it never to happen at this point. Yeah, it's horrible. Yeah. But it's so hard to get to that place. And, and another thing that's going on in there is the hiring. 
they're not hiring the most qualified people. As a matter of fact, when I was looking into the fraud that is Thrive New York City, uh, what I found out was that they were they were prioritizing diversity over people that actually had training dealing with people that had schizophrenia or bipolar or autism. They weren't going for the best and brightest people that went to get their degrees to help these people. They were going for the, the lowest common denominator just to fill a quota. I, I kept being like, what do you mean that the person handling the inpatient at a psychiatric unit at Gracie Square Hospital has been a doctor for 12 years that got their degree in Egypt and is running the uh, the severely mental uh, mental health floor and doesn't even like doesn't even seem to care and is just handing out drugs and then signing people out giving people drugs was was the whole goal of that place and they weren't helping people and I kept saying you can't just sign somebody out that's not you know can't handle being out there on their own because a lot of these people are adults their parent their family can't do anything over eighteen which is a law that needs to change. If you're mentally ill and you're certified and you have a history, you need to be able to have advocates and parents and they don't care. And what they're doing is they put these people out on the street and uh, you know, next thing you know, it's a revolving door. A lot of people that go to this Gracie Square in New York City, they go in and out and in and out and in and out and they give them meds, send them on their way. That's it. There's no help. Well, so wait to hear this. Uh, there's a fellow that lives down the street from me, right where I'm sitting in my office here in Del Mar, New York. Right. Um, he walks by all the time. And, you know, I know there's something going on. And you know, I've tried to talk to him a little bit, be friendly to him. So you know, we were visiting um, a couple weeks ago, roughly. And I said, come on in. And I'm just, just trying to befriend, you know, befriend him. And I'm a lay minister. Right. So um, I, I try to point people to get where they can get hope and where they can get real help, spiritual help. Right. And I, and, and I, and I can help him, you know, cause I've gone through a lot of stuff and I've knowledge and I know, you know, how to handle certain things. Right. Well, this young man, um, he, he turned on me like really quick. I mean, so some people that have uh, major mental health problems. Oh yeah. I mean, let's face it. Some of this stuff is outright demonic. I know. I mean, a lot of people, I mean, the demons are real. People open doors. Sometimes it comes through generations. Some people are involved in the occult. There's all the different reasons. And now they're now they're really struggling. They need help. Yeah. A lot of doctors don't know how to help them. So they just drug them, right. lock them up or, or you're like you're saying, they release them to the streets. Yeah. So he's yeah. he's he's wandering, but he's he's got a severe need and he really needs to be in a, in a facility. He really needs a lot of help. Well, he threatened to uh, do damage on my property when he left um, a couple weeks ago. Well, I'm, I'm out today and I get a, a, a text from my postman and said, my uh, card that you're selling out front's got a broken window. It's broken out. This Hi. is this morning. Yeah. So I called the police and, you know, we know it's him. Um, but he, he's, you know, constantly in trouble with the law. Right. And they just, they just release him re either if he's, if he, you know, they either release him there or if he's reevaluated, they just release him right back. No problem. Right. right. So, so where, right where's the justice? Where's he getting help? And God. where's us getting justice? Uh, you know, I had to bring the, the, the SG. That's the other thing that people don't think about. 
And what I dealt with when I was fighting for my friend was uh, I was told that because um, so, they were they kept letting people out of there that were totally psychotic and violent because they didn't have enough beds. What, where'd all the money go? You were supposed to build these facilities. It's all gone. And then nobody was held accountable. Nobody. And they pretended to have committee hearings with the city council. No, all that money disappeared. But then what I what I found out from when I was talking to people there trying to figure out what was going on because I was writing about it. I'll tell you what, they told me that they, some people come in like that guy and they say, we, there's nothing we can do for them. They're not even going to try to help certain people, probably somebody like that. They don't want to be bothered. It's too much work. I'm telling you that they are. It is that bad that they look at the people that need it the most and think, well, the, and now there's no bail. So all these people that are now violent and living on the streets that should be in mental facilities, mental health facilities, aren't even in jail. And that was bad enough that all the mental mentally ill people were ended up having to go to jail because they had nowhere else to put them. Now they don't even keep them. So New York said New York State is running around with a bunch of you know, people that really need help that are getting more and more violent and it's bad for the community and it's horrible for them and nobody's doing anything except for you. Yeah. <laughs> well, hopefully there's a few others, but I mean, I, I am, I'm leading the charge in this ah. area without question. Um, I've drafted over 30 uh, bills. Oh my God. And wow. The 911 is the, you know, the, we got the Jonathan's law done. We got it a felony. Those are the two big uh, major accomplishments. We got banning withholding of food for meals for behavior modification. We got that done. That should have been done, obviously, decades ago, right? right. Uh, but the 911 civil rights bill, again, would force the uh, the places to, the, you know, it would force them to clean up their act because they can't do their own internal investigations. Right. This justice center, they, they get the call and then they basically right. uh, let the facility investigate themselves. So they're... Right. There is no independent independent investigation. There is no criminal investigation. Yeah. And and even with the deaths, wait till you hear this. And I think I might have mentioned on Susan's program, the deaths, um, the medical examiners or the coroners in the county are required by law to investigate and determine the cause of every institutional death. Right. Governor Governor Andrew Cuomo set up. Uh, abuse hotline and uh, fraudulent justice center right not purposely keeps the deaths from the county coroners so most of those deaths are never investigated never autopsy never blood work determined if they had too much drugs in the system or all the drugs that they were supposed to getting were being stolen by the caregivers and sold right i mean we're talking off the charts corruption right uh, the de almost every death is literally covered up. Right now, sexual assaults in the New York State mental health care system. This is just one out of the six agencies: right. OPWDD, right. Office of People with Developmental Disabilities. Uh, uh, now, approximately thirteen hundred reported sexual assaults uh, reported. Now we know the number that are reported are only a tiny little fraction. Right. Right. Well, up on the Massachusetts website, there's a document called uh, Pro Protecting Our Most Vulnerable. And I think that's the title of it. Uh, you can Google it. And you go down, it says only 3% of sex assaults against the developmentally disabled will be reported. Yeah. So if 1,300 are reported, you multiply that times 33, 
to get a statistical average of sexual abuse in that one agency annually. Right. And it's over 40, it's close to 44,000 out of a system of 126,000. Yeah. So that's where I come up with the number approximately one third are sexually assaulted on average. For sure. You know, in different levels. Now, these are people being showered and bathed. I know. Many, right? By by people that are not trained, that are not monitored. Right. And, and it, it's, it, it's a called a pre- sexual predator's dream right. to be a caregiver in this system. Right. And people never get fired. You, you can't get anyone fired because they won't even, they won't, re- they won't write reports on their own people because they don't want to be held accountable. And what's crazy is after I was dealing with uh, trying to expose the Office of Mental Health under Cuomo and what was going on there and their health homes program, which isn't homes. It's just a bunch of charities that got billions of dollars to do to give them each other salaries. Nothing went to the people, literally nothing. So when I was trying to like expose it and look into it, what I then found out was like, then you go to the, the Department of uh, Human Rights or like the Human Rights Division or the Civil Rights Division. And then they say to you, well, why didn't they call 911? And then you say, because you can't call 911 when you're in there. And they, they well, well, it's too late now. I mean, it, it goes all the, it goes to every level. They really aren't doing, this is so dangerous and it's so sickening. And we both know that it's about money because a lot of these places you're talking about are big donors to their, to their campaigns also. Exactly. So, so let's, let's go into the money. So it's, it's all rooted in massive Medicaid fraud. Right. So Medicaid money coming in, state of New York is supposed to certify all these facilities, state they either their own or the private, not these not-for-profits. A lot of them are fraudulent, right. bogus not-for-profits. Right. These are well-connected people. They started LLC. Also, the state gives them two, three, four group homes, 10 right. group homes, 20 of them. Right. And they're paying themselves hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of thousands of dollars. Right. Uh, with Medicaid money, and yet they're not providing the safe care and services. And then they, then the state of New York has an agreement with them to protect them. And by concealing documents and evidence now in writing, I have that, that document, it's an affidavit by the former head of this justice center under its old name. Right. I've, pre- I've, pre- I've presented that to the FBI local. I've presented it to DOJ. Uh, I've I've begged the FBI to get in here. The, uh, we have a local Albany FBI bureau, three miles from my office. Oh my God! The abuse hot this justice center abuse hotlines a quarter or a tenth of a mile down the street from my office. Yeah. In all in yeah. all, all in Albany County, DA source knows that they're systematically making every almost every physical and sexual assault crime and homicide disappear. Right. And he's protected Cuomo and all the other players. Right. That's right. why Albany is known for corruption. They get a corrupt DA and the DA basically shields them. Right. It goes all the way up. There's also, you know, also it's the same. Uh, it's the same people that are hiding all the stuff with CPS and the trafficking of kids. It's the same group of people. And then also another thing is they're not supposed to let these people out of there without having aftercare and somewhere for them to go. And instead of doing that, they cut them loose and that's it. And, and then, or what they do is they send them to their horrifying, disgusting shelters 
that have no policy for drugs and alcohol, no locks on the door, and then talk about sexual assaults. And then they wait and wait to be placed somewhere in a bed that doesn't exist. And all this money, like you said, I dealt with like community access, trying to figure out what was going on over there. They were given from this health homes, uh, this program that de Blasio Thrive New York, uh, I believe, you know, uh, I think a hundred million dollars. They didn't build one, one facility. This whole, all that money from Cuomo, that was to build because it was a great idea, right? Like a guy that was fighting for it, uh, DJ Jaffe, he actually passed away, but he was fighting really hard. They were supposed to be building long and short-term care facilities for the developmentally disabled and also for um, to, to, to branch them out and start giving them skills, life skills, to, so that they could you know, make their lives as best as they sure. could be, supportive housing, it, it was called. They built none, <laughs> none. Five billion dollars. And and you can't get the so if you're connected, Cuomo, Governor Cuomo's been connected, obviously, big time right through the uh, federal agencies. Right. So DOJ is protected Cuomo. Right. The Civil Rights and Criminal Division. Um, now, I say this with experience. They, I have all the certified letters. Right. I have. I have the emails. I've, I've been begging and pleading for the federal government to get in here. Uh, I've begged at every level imaginable. Right. Uh, it's, it's blocked, blocked, blocked. So that, that's why a guy like Governor Cuomo, when you don't get justice and you, you know, the federal government should have been in here after the New York Times expose, right. they, sh they should have came right in. They wouldn't. Right. So they so Cuomo is basically he hardens his heart thinks he's going to get away with everything. Right. So he just keep he goes on steroids to do more and more and more damage after damage with the COVID right. stuff. Me and another whistleblower blew the whole whistle on that. Uh, right to commissioner, uh, the commissioner, to the Justice Center, to the governor, to everybody, the, the federal government. Right. And they still to date have the, the order to put the sick people into those group, the group homes. Right. It, the families of the uh, nursing home residents raised cane, right? They, right. they uh, I mean, and rightfully so. It's insane. And he had other options. That's how you know that it was about money and corruption because he had the Jacob Javits Center. He had places all over New York that were set up and built by the government to help him. And instead he put them in the homes. And most people don't know that it wasn't just nursing homes. It was also where the, uh, developmentally disabled, where autistic and, and all the all the different like mental illness and all that, it, it was the whole thing. So they, yeah. they purposely targeted those. And then again, the money on the other side, both the Medicaid money and also the uh, these are people that are donors to him. And it's, it's also, like I said, I've dealt a lot with child trafficking and uh, sex trafficking. And listen, Cuomo knew about Nexium trafficking children and what was going on up there the entire time. He was told about children being trafficked through Nex that Nexium cult out and outside of Albany in, a, in about 2007. Did nothing. And, uh, I, you know, I, 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 yeah, it wouldn't shock me at all. I, I mean, I, you know, like I said, I what I know but I, I just want to tell the listeners a little bit more of uh, so where you where you where you connect the dots. So now Governor Cuomo's being, you know, caught and you know, set her for the sexual harassment stuff. That's that's bad, but it's it's like nothing comparison to what I'm 
where we're talking, we're talking two to 3,000 deaths covered up in his agencies every single year. For the, uh, for, for the governor's been in there for like 11 years now. Right. That's not including uh, many, many hundreds, we think thousands in the mental health care system from COVID that if they just, wait till you hear this, they were sending people, when the governor was saying, we got to shut down the restaurants, the bars and all this stuff to protect the general public because it's so dangerous. He was sending people to the to the day programs from all the group homes. They were jockeying them all over the place, moving them from county to county to right. from a group home for what? For the money, for the money. Right. Right. And he and, and guess what? If you're if you have this type of mentality uh, and you think these people that are precious in God's sight are 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 worthless, which right. this is a civil rights issue. Just like the African Americans, where they were uh, didn't give, be, weren't given the proper equal rights and, and equal services, and you know restaurants and bars, voting, bus seating, oh, you name it, right? It's it's when you don't value a group of people. Right. If you don't value a disabled person, then you're not going to even bother to give them uh, uh, paramedics when they're when they're when they're dying in a facility. They're suffocating, or they were restrained like my son to death. And, and, and they have a chance to be revived. But you know what? We're not calling 911. We don't want any outside people in here. We don't want any outside documentation. And Governor Cuomo, what he did is he directed in, in when he created that fraudulent justice system. Right. After the New York Times expose, it was purposeful to go on steroids to guard not only the documents, but everything. Right. And, and, and even if you go to FOIL stuff, the FOIL go, uh, Freedom of Information request goes to the state agency. It goes right to oh. the second floor to the governor. Right. The governor's attorneys hide the information. Right. Now, so he set it up. He and, and everybody and their brother knows that every time putting a sick person with COVID into a group home or a nursing home is endangering not only their safety, but their life. And, it, and it's a every single one of those counts is a felony. Right. And also he had other options. That's the worst part is that it had to have been purposeful because he had other options. And then we found out last week that the DOJ under Biden drops the whole case against all five governors that had to have been coordinated. And they're all they're all the most corrupt ones. And then you have to wonder on the other side, how much did they know about upping the numbers for COVID in general for the whole lockdown? I put nothing past this man, and I agree with you that he's being called out for the harassment is a diversion, so that he, he so they're not going after him for what they should be going after him for, which is actually twenty years, as you're explaining, of this kind of behavior and treatment towards the elderly and the disabled under his care in his system because he was the AG prior, and scary enough, he was also the head of HUD under Clinton. A lot of people don't know, so this is a lifelong situation with Cuomo. And, you know, to me, it's like you're, you're, you, you can't be more important than, than your voice being out there right now. And I'm so glad I found you right now because I happen to have a really amazing audience that is really responsive. And um, I want you to tell everyone, so what you're working on now and how they can help you and help you fight and get involved in your fight and uh, find information to, uh, you know, I, I really, there's so many people out there that do care and unfortunately, they happen to not be in the system because they would never survive in the system. That's why people get out. 
they see what's falling apart and that there's no justice and these people are endangered and they don't want to be a part of it. But people like you have to come out and that's where people need to go to fight back. So whatever you can tell people on what you're doing now and how they can help you. Sure. Um, so we have a foundation we set up in Jonathan's name. It's called the Jonathan Carey Foundation. And it's, you know, I'll just say it's J-O-N-A-T-H-A-N-C-A-R-E-Y foundation.org. Um, so you can reach out to us through there by email or you can call us. Here, I have it up here. I just want people to see. So we got uh, Jonathan. This is your um, this is your site. Jonathan Harry Foundation, and this is Jonathan's law page where you can get information. Okay, so I wanted to show people that, and I'll put it in the description box as well. So keep going. Yeah. So, so one thing is we, you know, they people if if they feel in their heart to do some, I this is how I feel. I kind of like light fires and help people get started to help them do what God puts in their heart. So if, hopefully, people are getting angry at this injustice. And saying, you know what, I, Lord, I want to do something, you know, and then if they do, I believe God will give them a thought or an idea or something. And it'll be part of, a, you know, it, you know, maybe something small could be something huge. So and so I want to help and say, go for it. Do what right. God puts in your heart to do. And as far as helping me, um, one, please be praying for me, my family. Yes. Um, there, there, this is this is a, this is huge stuff. Right. This is top level people. It's not just the governor. We're talking all the, uh, I'm just going to take it to the, the full oh, level. Yeah. Tell the all, the, all the district attorneys statewide know what's been going on. I gave them all the knowledge. I've given them the document. I've told them you are required by New York state constitution to prosecute every crime in your county. Right. And the justice center is keeping these crimes from that. You that's obstruction, criminal obstruction of justice. Right. Right. And you have to prosecute these crimes yeah. um, and and that, and these deaths and whatnot, these sex assaults. You've got to stop these people. Right. You know, so the sheriff silence. Yeah. The sheriffs should do. They're, they're the law and order. They should be getting involved also. And then on top of that, the scariest part that you talked about on Susan's and I say a lot is it's the oversight of the prosecutors and the DAs and all that. You would think, well, if they're if they're a rogue DA or they're covering something up, or there's somewhere to go. There's not somewhere to go. There's not because those people are placed there by the governor. So they're supposed. Well, there's they're, they're elected. The DAs are actually elected in their county. Right, but then above but we know, <laughs> but they're handpicked, right, in their parties. They got to be a team player, right? So so Cuomo says, listen. We're going to, even though the New York Times came out with this expose and exposed the system, we're going to come up with this scheme basically to decoct this other agency and continue status quo. Right. And we're going to keep these crimes from you and you're going to be quiet. Right. Right. And, and how do you get all the Democrat and Republican DAs to allow this to continue to go on year after year after year? They, they all know I've, I, I have the email trail. Yeah. I have I'm the at, certified letters. Right. I'm at the point where I, I don't did, even believe that there's two parties. I think if they're in it, they're all in on it because it, it doesn't, there is nothing. There's nothing that's separating them when it comes to this level of corruption. And then there's a whole bunch of blackmail and cover ups. And 
I mean, I don't know. It's just so sad. But the fact that there's a, you know, somebody like your son is has to pay the price for this evil. And uh, and there's just not enough good people out there that are fighting or they don't know what to do or they're overwhelmed. But I do believe people are waking up, you know, 15,000 at least uh, elderly people died uh, during um, COVID. We don't even know about in the in the care homes. They, they're not even mentioning that. And like you said, if they're not giving thousands anyway. And we can't let him get away with this. And, you know, they might want to distract us with his sexual harassment stuff. But I think it opens the door uh, for somebody like you to really get out there and and lay it down. This is this is about 30 years of, of a corruption in this system. And it's, you know, these people can't fight for themselves. So we, the people that uh, care about God and justice, need to do it. Amen. Amen. So there's laws. People can fight for laws. I will tell people, if you don't know how to do it, I will encourage you how to do it. Great. And um, so they can find it's not you. as difficult. It's not as difficult as people think. Right. It, it is hard work and you got to persevere. Right. You know, but but the other thing is, you know, if you could consider helping our foundation, I we exhausted a very large portion of our settlement that. You know, know, because I gave up because I gave up our the income with our business. I know. And then I hired staff. I, I'm it's just me now. I don't have a secretary. I could use a secretary. Okay. You know, I, I mean, really, I mean, so I need the resources to pay the secretary, right? Right. Uh, and you know, I can't keep up with everything. But the thing is, um, I got the fire burning within me. I can help light the fires in other people that activate them into doing uh, things. We did find out through research there is no 911 requirement by law in the, across the entire nation. So we've, we want it to be done on a national level. 911 civil rights bill. We want to end this discrimination in civil rights where the New York State Constitution and the, and the U.S. one says we, everybody's supposed to have equal protections of laws. Right. You can't have equal protection of law if you are a victim of a crime and they keep it from the, the, the law enforcement, the DAs, the, the right. laws, the, the courts, the whole nine yards. You don't, there's no justice there. Nope. And I'm saying we can change that. Right. I'm bound to determine that we're going to get that 911 changed. And, and, you know, if we get got to get rid of this governor Cuomo as quick as possible. Right. And we got to get these we got to get the cameras in place right. and these deterrences and, and safe working hours. The guy that killed my son worked 100 hour weeks on you know, with autistic children. It's a known cause for abuse. There's no way you could do that job safely no. working those hours. No, and with a ton of overtime and people signing off on him allowed to work those kind of hours, knowing that it's it's putting the kids at risk. They don't care. I, I, I've dealt with this. If I didn't deal with it, when I saw you, I said, oh, my God, thank God if somebody's talking about this because they do, they act like it just doesn't exist. And it should be the most important thing. And I, I want people to know, can people donate to help your 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 cause? I mean, it's the real deal. Like this is where people's money needs to go. Because you, you, you're David and Goliath when it comes to fighting the government, especially this one in New York is so corrupt. It's ridiculous. How can well, people help you financially? Is there like a, somewhere they can donate on the, one of the websites? Yeah, right on the Jonathan Carey website, there's a donate button that goes through PayPal. And right. we would we would really appreciate help. Um, there's our addresses there. If somebody wanted to send a check, we, you right. know, you know, they could donate by credit card. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
I, you know, motivated. I would really appreciate that. Yeah, people no. are motivated. This is weird. Listen, we are in a time that we good and evil is really being shown to us in, in the most bright light possible. I mean, I told you I've been dealing with this with uh, the horrible mental health laws for adult children where parents can't do anything. And it's it's heartbreaking. It's along the same lines. Also, CPS, who's working in that system, same cover up system you're dealing with. It's like enough's enough. We, the people that love God and country and want justice and freedom and people to be treated the way that they're supposed to be treated under God. It's got to be up to us. We got it. We got to do what we got to do. And I know you you're way ahead. And I think there's lots of parents out there, not just of children, but of adult children that don't know what to do, don't know where to turn. And you are an amazing resource. Your website has lots of information. And uh, I know you need money and it's I know you don't want to ask for it. I'm asking for it because they 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 try to lawfare you to death that you like you, you can't even keep up. And they have unlimited resources to keep stopping you and and sidelining you and pushing it on and they'll have a hearing in a year. It's like, no, we need it now. So uh, I am asking yeah. my, my people to please uh, go to uh, Michael's site and uh, you know look at what his resources are. And I know a lot of people are scared because they don't have legal background, but you didn't have legal background, right? No, but I've learned incredible things. You know, and you know, I've got, I, and I also have some connections to some lawyers uh, that we've been very successful with helping families get civil action. Good. You know, so like there's the one I mentioned on Susan's program. This woman, now, and I'm just going to mention this really quick. This no, woman is an, she's a, she's an African uh, American woman. She has some disabilities herself. She was she found a, a small law firm, and the not only did the lawyer not treat her correctly um and and i for whatever reason she just was telling me different things he wasn't calling back you know, he, he was talking you know she felt the derogatory ways towards her and i said listen i will help you get a better lawyer you can shift lawyers people need to know you can right. shift lawyers right. if they're not helping you right and they're not doing right. their job right so right. i i helped her get a really good law firm and Ultimately, she, she they won a three million dollar settlement. Okay. Her autistic son was being sexually assaulted in a uh, group home by a pedophile caregiver for upwards of two years, and and the only way he got caught was in a federal porn sting. Or that guy would wow. probably be still raping him to uh, and doing God only knows what today. Right. Now people got to understand, you know, the system is not safe. And, and, you know, I advise people, you can't put your children into the system now. Do everything imaginable. They ask family, friends to, you know, get, try to get the money. To, so you hire people you can trust right. to care because the system, until it's reformed, it's dangerous and deadly as hell. Right, right. And, right. you know, you know, and I could, t you know, I could tell people more, but back to that affidavit, that is a written state document. I've provided it to Governor Andrew Cuomo uh, when he was the Attorney General staff. His two top attorneys, Mylon Dennerstein and Alfonso David, who I met with in Manhattan with that document and many other documents for over a two-hour meeting in 2010. Yeah. They ignored it. They put it aside. And then the governor brings him right, them two attorneys right into the governor's office in Albany and they and they're covering up in Albany. Right. 
with with 100% full knowledge. And again, there's the state, here's the federal crimes, public corruption, official misconduct, um, Medicaid fraud, criminal conspiracy. This document shows that the state has an agreement to protect the documents. They call it a carefully cultivated understanding. And it's all about hiding the documents to and, and it's in writing to protect the facility and the, the staff from litigation. Disgusting. I gave that to Mylon Dennerstein, Alfonso Davis in the New York State Attorney General's office, 2010. They 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 did nothing. I went right back to Cuomo. I said, you you got to deal with this. And I got the documentation. I've got, again, I've got it all to the feds. This governor has been getting away with murder. Yeah, He's been covering up one of the be- biggest sexual predator scandals, second probably to maybe if not bigger than the, the Catholic Church one. Right. That's how bad it is. I know. And, I know. and if your daughter or, or even a male goes into one of these OMH facilities and then they drug you. Yeah. And they knock you out. Right. That's they can do whatever on. they want to you. Right, right. And we have and a that, and trafficking issue, too, that is probably uh, part of it as well. Like you said about, about that poor girl that uh, ended up with a disease in a home for women. It's, it's so it's so many multi-layer. And it's like the Southern District of New York, Northern District of New York, doesn't matter. They're all in, in on covering each other's it's It's insane. So thank God you're out there. I'm going to put all your links below. Please update us. Um, I'll, I'll definitely uh, have you back in a little while if any anything happens. But I want everyone to go to your website and um, to help you out and to find help there too. I believe that there's so many parents out there and now there's so many uh, adult children that lost their parents in this uh, last COVID thing that don't know where to begin. And, and you're a godsend out there and you're a real uh, beacon of light. And I, I know your, your son's really, really proud of you and, uh, and is watching uh, you, cheering you on. So uh, Thanks. thank do, you. Do you, mind if, do you mind if I share one other thing quick? No, I want you to. <laughs> this is so powerful because this is a dream I had, a supernatural dream Great. from the Lord. I woke out of this. I saw my son, Jonathan, sitting in a testimony box in a courtroom. So you picture a little young boy, nonverbal with autism, sitting in a testimony box in a courtroom with an old fashioned megaphone, those cone shaped megaphones, like you like from like the 20s and way back. You know, they're not the power ones, the old fashioned ones. (laughs) Yeah. With the word righteousness written down it. And I woke up, I said, uh, Lisa, God is going to use Jonathan to speak and testify and, and speak loud and clear for righteousness. Yep. And what happened to Jonathan, the sufferings that he went through in that, those facilities and then everything that we learned, you know, God gave us that knowledge to bring about changes and reforms to protect his children. Right. And uh, it's a calling. It's a responsibility. To him who's given much, right. much is required. I have a lot of knowledge. I will give that knowledge away. And I want to and ask too is please everybody, call and talk to your uh, representatives, fe- the federal ones and state ones, and 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 this the legislative leaders here, cousins and Keisty right. here in New York State. 
they know about all these laws. They know about what I they they know about these problems. They yeah. have to address this 911 issue as discrimination. We got to stop this. We got to give the, the, these precious people in these homes and whatnot it minimally the equal services and protections of laws in 911. And we got to insist on this. And I, and if if they start getting blasted with calls and emails, what do you you got to be kidding me that these kids and adults don't get 911 services. You got to be kidding me that they don't have cameras. I know. You got to be kidding me that you're you're taking all this money in, and you're enriching people that you know and you're not providing safe care and services per federal law. Uh, you got to stop this. Right, right. I'm going to send this to Lee Zeldin too. He's running, he wants to go in there, then he better know that this is what he's got to clean up, you know? We have to stop electing people that say they're going to do stuff. We need people that are, are in there that are actually going to clean it, clean it up because it's clear that you've done a lot of work and all people have to do is put your work into action and we could have a lot of serious changes that would then cause a domino effect because that's what it's going to take. Um, so everyone should go to... Uh, Jonathan Carey Foundation. And uh, thank you, Michael Carey. And I will stay in touch with you. I will put all your links below. And please, anyone who's watching, please get in touch with him. He is doing God's work. And right now it is uh, God's war. And we are all on the front lines trying to fight against evil. And uh, Michael is a real standout and a true uh, warrior for justice and uh, the truth. So Thank you so much, Michael, and I'll check back in with you and uh, good luck because you are really making a difference and I hope everyone hears this and I'm going to share it everywhere and uh, I will speak to you again. Thank you so much. You are really Thank a Thank you, Mel. You're such a gift. Thank you very much. Thank you. God bless you. Bye-bye.